Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, uplifting support for your grief and healing journey. We're here to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence so that you can build a life of purpose and joy. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Grief Coach. Hello, my friends. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to episode 98, Mindfulness. I always wish... I always wish we were in the same room because I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to ask you what you think when you hear the word mindfulness. What are your thoughts about it? Is it something you want? Is it something you understand? Or is it something that feels gimmicky to you like a fad idea? I'm hoping today's episode can add to our conversation. When hard things happen, whatever happened, it's supercharged with emotion. If you were to visualize a timeline, like right now, I want you to, don't close your eyes if you're driving, but visualize a timeline of your life. The event or the circumstances of your loss can take over your past, your present, and your future. It's as if a large gray or black cloud covers the entirety of your life. So Put yourself on the timeline. Put yourself on the timeline right in the middle. You have this line and you put yourself right in the middle. To the left is your past. Where you stand is the present and to the right is your future. Okay, so timeline, you're in the middle. The middle where you're standing right now is the present. The line to the left of that is your past the line to the right of where you stand is your future. Now mark the spot on your timeline when your loss appeared, when your loss occurred, I should say. Chances are that you spent a lot of time there, a lot of time there because it is so supercharged with emotions. It may be still demanding your attention and a lot of it. As we look back, our thoughts and emotions about what happened can change how we feel about the days and years before our loss. It can change how we feel about our today. It can change how we feel about our future. So as you see that timeline and you see that that space, however you picture what happened, you see that space there, you can see how that can kind of become a veil over everything else. It becomes a cloud over everything else. We may ask ourselves, did I ever really know this person? Like it really changes when something happens. We, we start to question what our past was, or we might say, did I really appreciate them enough when they were here? Whatever the loss is, Let's see, if you go through a divorce, it, you know, it's common to ask ourselves, did I ever really know this person? Does my past really, is it really valid? Because now they're presenting a totally different person. Or if it's someone we love, did I really appreciate them? Did it, was I really grateful for them when they were here? Did I really, did I really take in that whole experience of them being here? Then there's the event itself, which is charged with emotion. So what comes after is grief, sadness, anger, and a full cauldron of heavy emotions. 
And this episode feels a little bit like a sequel to last week. So it's, it's not completely about that, but last week we talked about falling short. And this week we're going to talk about being more present, being mindful. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I encourage you to do it. But let's talk about mindfulness. The short answer is mindfulness is being where you are here right now, right here right now. If you get honest with yourself, like if you really think about it and you get really honest with yourself, you'll notice that you are rarely in the moment. You are rarely where you are. A lot of times we're somewhere else. Our phones are a huge distraction. And so even though we're in the room with people, we might be on our phone looking at messages from somebody else, from something else. That's a great example of not being present. And the other thing we're going to do today is we're going to, we're going to explore three tools that can help you be more mindful. The reason I think of this as being a little bit of a sequel of last week's episode is just this, this idea of the rush that through life, we just experienced this rush through life. We're trying to get it all done and, or we're drowning our feelings. So we're either rushing around trying to get it all done, or we're rushing around trying to ignore our feelings. And too often we discount our feelings. If we're not completely trying to drown them out, we're discounting them. We're saying things like my feelings are too much, or they're wrong, or my feelings don't matter. And ignoring them completely and acting as if they don't exist at all, that's not helpful either. Our emotions are part of our humanity and are actually, now get this, they're actually the roadmap to what we're thinking and therefore what we're experiencing. They are the roadmap to help us. They are the road. So discounting or saying that our emotions or our feelings are wrong or they're too much or just ignoring them altogether is equivalent to driving down the road and ignoring the road. Think about that. And you're probably saying right now, Julie, that's crazy. No one would drive and completely ignore the road. And it's true. They wouldn't. Nobody would. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't completely ignore the road. We we might get distracted for for a half a second or a second, but we don't ignore the road. And yet we ignore our feelings, which are actually the road that we're driving on. We can't succeed in driving by ignoring the road just like we can't succeed at ignoring our feelings and our emotions. Do you know where you are? Think about where you are right now. Do you know where you are? Do you know how you feel? Do you know where those feelings are coming from? You may think you do. You may answer that question with, yes, I'm sad or I'm angry and it's coming from this loss that I experienced but there's more to it. And it demands that we get quiet with it and pay attention. Where is the sadness or anger coming from? Where is it coming from? Do you know? Eckhart Tolle, who is the author of The Power of Now, he wrote in that book, emotion arises out of the place where mind and body meet. It is the body's reaction to your mind or you might say a reflection of your mind in the body. You are not usually conscious of all your thought patterns, and it is often only through watching your emotions 
that you can bring them into awareness. This is why, and that's unquote there, that's the end of the quote. This is why ignoring or discounting your emotions is like driving and not paying attention to the road. Because if we unpack what he said here, he said that our emotions give us clues to our thoughts. So listen to what he said again. You are not usually conscious of all your thought patterns, and it is often only through watching your emotions that you can bring them into awareness. So the formula kind of goes like this. You have thoughts, and those thoughts bring up emotions. Sometimes we're not aware of our thoughts, but the emotions get our attention. So if we pay attention to the emotions, we can kind of unwind it or work backwards and figure out what the thoughts are behind it. And it's, it's more, it's more than what you think. So just simply saying, I'm sad and I'm sad because of this event. Yes, that's the overarching, that's the big picture, but there's more to it. There's more thoughts around it. Maybe, maybe there's some regret. There's some thoughts about things that you wish had been different. Maybe there's some anger because you wish that they had acted a certain way or that this situation, maybe you lost your job. Maybe you wish your employer had acted a certain way. There's more to it than just the event creating grief. There's much more to it. So as we get clear on what our emotions are and we start to capture those thoughts, we can be clearer about what's going on. So the first tool I want to talk about is journaling. Journaling can be so valuable in giving you space And it also gives you a place to explore your emotions and thoughts. It's the place, it's the, that piece of paper where you're writing is the place to capture emotions and your thoughts instead of letting them just go every which way unattended, completely out of control with no rules. It's very hard to work through your thoughts and and feelings exclusively in your head. So when I think about this, when I think about my thousands and thousands of thoughts, I picture a million butterflies flying around my head. And if you think of butterflies, like if you think of a million butterflies flying around my head, you can feel, you can see the confusion of that. You got all those flapping wings and you can't really see anything because it's just a a big mess of, of movement. And that's kind of like our thoughts. It's, it's very hard to pay any attention to any one thought because there's so many, it's like those millions of butterflies flopping around our head. It's impossible to know which ones to pay attention to. But if I were to capture, let's say it was to capture two or three or five or 10 of those butterflies and just have them sit on the piece of paper sit on a piece of paper, all of a sudden I can pay attention to them. All of a sudden I have some control and I have some focus because they're just sitting on the paper. It's very similar to capturing your thoughts on paper and paying attention to them because chances are when you start writing now at first, you know, the first minute or two, you may not, but as you go, you're going the the uh, thoughts and the emotions that are top of mind, the ones that are giving you the most trouble that have just been in that crowd of butterflies that you haven't been able to pay attention to what's really bothering you. Like you really don't understand because it's just a bunch of stuff. When you start to write, 
the most important things come out on paper and all of a sudden it's sitting still and you have some control and you have some focus and you can pay attention to those thoughts. I was also reminded of a book I read and I wish that I could remember which book it was, but I remember this, this man in the book, he had lost his wife and in the book he talked about spending his evenings sitting outside just feeling, just feeling and thinking and just being present with his, his emotions and his thoughts. This stillness was just so beautiful to me because what do we tend to do? Like I think most people in, in our lives, you know, we get to the end of the day and we're, and we're exhausted because we've, we've taken care of our responsibilities. And the last thing we want to do is be present with our grief and our sadness and our despair and our loneliness. So beautiful that he was able to do that. Too often we pick up our phone or we turn on the TV or if you drink, you drink, or we find some other distraction instead of being present with our thoughts and feelings. One good way to do that is to spend a few minutes each day journaling. In the process of being still, in the process of being present with our emotions, whether that's in journaling or sitting quietly, we start working towards understanding And when we start working towards understanding, we build compassion for ourselves. And when we have compassion for ourselves, we are much more likely to be willing to work through our heavy emotions and come to a place of peace. Here's another quote from Eckhart Tolle's book. He said, are you worried? Do you have many what if thoughts? You are identified with your mind, which is projecting itself into an imaginary future situation and creating fear. There is no way that you can cope with such a situation because it doesn't exist. Let's unpack that for a minute because that's, that's a lot in one statement. So here he's talking about the future. So we've got concerns about the past. We've got concerns about what happened. So we can spend this time in the past and, and mulling over what happened. But then we also project that into the future and we have all these worries and these what if thoughts and we project and create fear and we create imaginary situations in the future. And what he says here, and I'm going to quote this very last line again, there is no way that you can cope with such a situation because it doesn't exist. Now think about that for a minute. When you project fear and imaginary situations into the future, you can't solve that problem. You can't solve that problem because it doesn't exist. You know, I had this very discussion with a client this week where she was trying to figure out, you know, she's dealing with an employment situation. She's trying to figure out how, how she was going to deal with that and what the next steps were and whether or not she was going to get a job offer or here or there. And, and the problem is, is when, when we start thinking about all these things, let's just take that situation specifically. We start thinking about making decisions about a job offer or two or three that might be coming along that we think are coming. And we start trying to make the decision on whether or not we're going to accept the job offer, but we don't even have the offer. 
we don't have the details. We don't have the amount. We don't have the hours. We don't have the vacation time. We don't have the insurance. We don't have the details. And so what our mind does is it starts trying to fill in all the details and it gives us a hundred different scenarios. And then we're trying to solve for something that doesn't exist, which just creates a lot of confusion, a lot of fear, and a lot of anxiety. I think that's really worth remembering anytime that we find ourselves projecting to the future, especially projecting fear into the future, we can remind ourselves it hasn't happened. I don't need to solve that. So the next thing that's to remember that, and we've kind of talked about this, is that we're rarely wholly where we are. We're rarely fully there. Where are you right now? Think about where you are right now. Where are you sitting? Where are you standing? What are you doing? Are you focusing on what's being said? Or is your attention divided between many things? Maybe you're listening to this podcast at the same time that you're fixing dinner, at the same time that you've got a TV show on. I mean, it's possible, right? (laughs) That where are you right now? What has your attention? Is your attention divided? Are you standing? Can you feel the floor beneath you or are you sitting and can you feel the couch or the chair supporting your legs and your bottom and your back? Perhaps, perhaps your feet are on the ground or if you're sitting, perhaps they're folded up underneath you in the chair. Bring your awareness to your surroundings and your presence into the space. This is grounding. We're grounding ourselves where we are. We're feeling our feet on the ground. We're getting present with where we are. You know, after that, my kids died, I went back to playing tennis a few months later. And that was definitely, definitely a practice in being present. I, if I wasn't paying attention, I was likely to get hit in the face with a tennis ball because I, I wasn't paying attention and the ball's flying at me and I'm not hitting it. It was, it was a great experience for me to be in that moment where I'm focused intently on the tennis ball. And my, and I worked really hard at being focused on that tennis ball and my awareness of myself in the space, my court awareness, where was I? How was I working with my partner? It was a great experience to have those few hours a week where my attention was fully captivated by a game instead of on what had happened and all my sorrow and all my despair and my anguish over that. Find something somewhere. Keep Start keeping track. Really keep track. I was t- speaking with another client this week, and you know, I suggested that she really start to keep track of those little moments. It could be a, a just the s- slightest slimmer of a moment, like sliver, I should say, of a moment of hope or happiness or of joy or enjoyment. Be aware and present to those. Don't push them away. It's really easy when we're in grief and sadness 
to push away those little moments of happiness and joy. Because we start to, we have this thought here again, we have this emotion and we have this thought. So we have, we feel this, we feel this little bit of happiness and we, we feel ourselves pushing it away because our thought is, I shouldn't feel happy because such and such happened. Because this happened, I shouldn't feel happy. But what if you should? What if it's okay to have those moments of happiness, of those moments of joy? Be aware of them. Be present to them. Remember what it feels like. Think about where you are. Start keeping track. Maybe, Maybe daily, at the end of the day, you just write out two or three moments when you, when you felt hope, when you felt joy. Maybe it was watching your three-year-old chasing a bird across the yard. Maybe it was just sitting in the sun. Maybe it was reading a good book. Think about what you're seeing in those moments. Relive that moment in your mind. What, or be in that moment where you're seeing it. Like you just start paying attention to when the lights kind of come out, when the sun kind of comes out metaphorically in our, in our thoughts and our feelings and pay attention to what you're sensing. Are you feeling the sun on your skin? Are you feeling the wind on your face? Are you hearing the hum of the AC in the background? close your eyes, take it in, memorize that feeling of hope, happiness, joy, or pleasure. Start paying attention to those moments. And it will start to, when you focus on those moments, they will start to expand. The goal is not to get back. And I think this is what really gets us in trouble because the goal is not to get back to who you were before. We think that's the goal but it's not. This thought causes us a lot of discomfort because we know in our gut, we can never be the person we were before. Our experience has changed us. So the goal is to find peace and contentment and happiness and purpose again in our current circumstances but don't be in a hurry. You don't need to be in a hurry for those things, but just start to notice the small moments. The small moments where you feel that glimmer of contentment, start to notice those. The small moments when you feel peace and you can start to create more of it and more often and with more intention. Another good time to really be present, to ground yourself is when you're with another person, a child or a parent or a coworker or your spouse, someone that you love, focus on them, be present as much as possible, be interested in them, in what they are talking about, in what they're interested in. This is a great way to practice being present and mindful. To be where we are is to be still and be present and meditation and prayer are very effective ways of doing that. I practice both, and actually research shows that meditation and prayer have very similar effects on your body system. And so I practice both, but I definitely am in prayer. Prayer is more consistent 
is my is kind of my go-to more frequently. I can be present with myself and God anytime, anywhere. I I don't I don't have to kneel at the center of my bed, although I like to do that, to be present with God. Recently I had a video interview, maybe you saw it on Facebook, but I had a video interview with um, my good friend Les Patterson and we had been trying to put this together for about six months and between his schedule and my schedule and different things, we, we'd finally gotten it scheduled a month or two ago. And then about two weeks before I was doing the interview, I realized that I was going to be out of town when I did the, the interview and it was a video interview and, and I was, because I was out of town and I talked to Les, he's like, let's just go ahead and do it. So I set up, you know, I didn't have all my equipment with me. I didn't have my normal setup in my office. So I had set up in the, this little tiny condo that we were staying in. I set up to do the, the video interview the night before. So I would be ready the next morning. And about an hour before the interview is supposed to start, the internet where I was staying kept going in and out. Like it would drop and then it would come back and then it would drop and then it would come back. And it was doing this for, I don't even know how long. And about 15 minutes before the interview, I just said a little prayer and I said, you know what, Heavenly Father, I don't know what's going on here and I don't know how to fix it, but you do. And I said, please, please stabilize the internet because this interview is important to me. It's important to Les and it's important to the people that are meant to hear it and meant to participate in it. And you know what? He was there for me. And it doesn't always happen like that, but I was super grateful that the internet internet stabilized and I was able to do that full interview without any interruptions. So I do so much believe in prayer and the power of prayer in our lives, and especially when we're hurting. God wants to be there for us, and all we have to do is ask. When you sit to meditate, when you pray, Feel the surface. When you meditate, feel the surface you're sitting on. Feel the back of the chair on your back. Remember that you are safe. That's what's so interesting is that in when we have something hard to happen, we can be totally safe in the present moment, and yet we don't feel safe because of something that happened in the past. Remind yourself over and over again that you are safe in this moment. Bring yourself to the present. When you kneel to pray, feel the floor beneath your knees supporting you. Feel the bed you are kneeling by under your forearms and your chest and your abdomen pressed against the side of the bed. You are safe. You are whole. Right here, right now, you are whole. There is nothing wrong with you because you have emotions. You are meant to have emotions. Emotions and thoughts are the road. Pay attention to the road as you drive through life. Remember these three tools to help you become more mindful, mindful of your thoughts and feelings, and mindful of yourself in your surroundings, safe in the present moment. Journaling, grounding, meditation, and prayer. I hope these things are helpful to you and be sure and send me a message. Get on Instagram, get on Facebook, send me a message. You can always email me. 
You can order my book, Miracles in the Darkness, Building a Life After Loss, on the website at buildalifeafterloss.com. There's a link in the show notes if you want a direct link to order the book. But if you go to the website, you can also read the first chapter. In that book, I share my experience. I share my journey from despair to happiness. And I'm grateful to have been able to do that because it meant so much to me to read about other people's experience when they went through their pain and their grief and they came out on the other side with the sun shining again, despite what happened. Who can you share this episode with? Really think about that. Are you in a grief group on Facebook that would appreciate these messages each week? I want to bring light to grief and offer encouragement in the journey. If this podcast has been helpful to you, will you please share it? Share it on Instagram or Facebook, or remember to subscribe, rate, and review. It's been great being with you today. Have a wonderful week, and remember, I believe in you. Love you. Bye. Bye.